Welcome to Go Green Radio, brought to you by Covanta Energy. Reduce, reuse, recycle, rethink renewable energy and energy from waste. This program will help start you thinking about how to protect our world and its important resources. Now here's the host for Go Green Radio, Jill Buck. Welcome to Go Green Radio, everybody. I am so glad that you could tune in because today's show, all of our shows are important, but today's show is particularly current, needed, and vital. Um, We're going to have a conversation about environmental racism, environmental injustice, and how these issues are adding almost insurmountable and unbearable layers to the trauma and, and stress and suffering that communities of color are already Already experiencing, especially during 2020, when there are just so many layers of trauma going on. And I can't think of anybody I'd rather have this conversation with than the Reverend um, Yearwood, who is the president and founder of the Hip Hop Caucus. I have so much respect for him, for his organization. Uh, we haven't had him on the show since 2016, and it's way overdue. Um, you know, Reverend Yearwood is is not only a, a minister uh, and a community activist; he's a U.S. Air Force veteran. So um, we owe him our thanks for his service. And I'm just so pleased to have him on. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, Reverend Yearwood. We're so glad to have you. It's so great to be back here. Thank you for having me. Well, it's so my pleasure. And and I'd like to begin by making sure that all of our listeners are on the same page when we talk about some of the work you do. And so I know that environmental racism is not a term that everyone understands. So I would love to start by having you talk to us about what environmental racism means and maybe more importantly, what it means to the human beings who are impacted by it. Most definitely. Well, environmental racism means that certain communities um, get clean air and clean water and certain communities don't. And unfortunately, those communities that don't get it sometimes don't get it either by their economic status or by the color of their skin. And we have had systemic racism, which has allowed for certain communities to be in what we call sacrifice zones. In other words, for many, many years, because of racism, communities were put in certain housing communities because of redlining. Uh, They were put in certain communities that were close to uh, pollution and landfills because they were considered the path of least resistance. And over time, these communities began to live there. And what we began to see is that based upon one of the zip code, you can literally tell who literally has clean air and clean water. And so as time has gone on, that would be coined as environmental racism. In other words, literally people who are suffering uh, the environmental hazards literally because of either the color of their skin or sometimes because of their economic status or poverty. And so we are now trying to fix that. But then it also, then with the issue of climate change and the climate crisis, the same pollution that causes climate crisis and the same pollution that leads to environmental injustice are, are connected together. So what we have now kind of come to the conclusion is that if we can solve both the climate crisis, in many cases, we can also solve environmental racism as well. Absolutely. Uh, You know, there's another term that some of our listeners understand, uh, you know, they actually work in environmental justice communities, but I want to make sure we have a good 
thorough definition of, of this concept of environmental justice. And, and furthermore, I'd love for you to talk about what it would mean to the people who are currently living in communities that are, that are labeled environmental justice communities, what it would mean to them if our country committed itself to protecting every zip code equally from <laughs> air and water and yeah. soil pollution. Well, unfortunately, with the advancement of climate change, we are all not living under the yeah. problems of environmental justice now. And because of the current administration, unfortunately, the rollback of many of the policies and procedures, we are now all at threat. So the, 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 I guess it has come to a point where we all now are being in those sacrifice zones, no matter if you're in a white or black or brown or red community. Unfortunately, because of our inaction on the climate crisis, we are now all in harm's way. And what I mean by that is that simply that the pollution um, that we have, particularly what we used to have from the smog or car standards, a lot of those rules and regulations have been rolled back. Mercury rules, um, rules in regards to other types of pollutants and chemicals have all been rolled back in the past three years. So even if you go to the store, what you can buy, um, the kind of the fertilizer you put on your ground, uh, literally where water runoffs are in your community. We used to have standards, but unfortunately, those who value profits before people said that, hey, those things, those regulations are getting in the way. It, I know they cause cancer and asthma and emphysema, and they cause people problems, but we need to get rid of those regulations so we can make money faster. And unfortunately, we, we now in a situation where people would say that's crazy talk, but now it's no longer crazy talk. It really is happening. And mm -hmm. so communities are at risk. On top of that, with the climate crisis, you now have communities who, uh, depending where they may be, in affluent or in lower-income communities, because of droughts and wildfires and floods and hurricanes and tornadoes, um, and uh, heat disaster, um, and so many other problems that are going on, um, many of our communities are now literally vulnerable. So now we're in a position where those who are first and worst at risk are still the most vulnerable. Those are those who are living in communities um, like in Houston and New Orleans, where I'm from, and Louisiana, and out there in Detroit and, and Newark. They, they definitely are being hit hard. Um, but now all communities are being hit hard. And as you lay upon that environmental racism, environmental injustice, now you invite and, and lay over that a pandemic, like yeah. uh, the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19, it becomes a huge problem. Well, and that's what, you know, I was mentioning at the beginning of this show is these layers of trauma. And some of the communities that you mentioned, like Newark, New Jersey, I, I've been working uh, in that community since 2013. And it was already stressed. There were already a lot of children with asthma, children exposed to yeah. lead in their water. And then you add this layer of the pandemic over it and um, it, it's unbelievably Horrifying. Uh, stressful. It Horrifying. is. Uh, to say that they're traumatized is an understatement. And yet, you know, I, I love, you know, the people that I work with in that community because the resilience is incredible. But we're asking for a level of resilience that a lot of communities can't even fathom. Um, and, 
and it's high time that we dealt with this. And that's why I'm so glad we're having this conversation. I think a lot of people don't even realize that the EPA has a screening tool. They have a map where you can actually look up where people live and see what kind of environmental exposures they may have that could lead to higher cancer rates and asthma and some of the the ailments, even heart disease that you were mentioning. And you talked about some of the public policies that have been rolled back. Let's, Let's flip that over into a, a more positive light, what kind of public policies do we need in order to relieve this heavy burden of dangerous pollution from neighborhoods, especially communities of color that are literally living in peril every single day? Well, I, I got to take a step back. As you mentioned earlier, I wasn't an, an officer in the Air Force and I love my country and obviously I put my, put my life on the line for it. Yes. And definitely uh, believe in um, our belief in life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for all. And so I would just say this, that it, does, it shouldn't really matter where you are in this country. Um, your zip code shouldn't determine um, either if you have clean air or clean water or if you're healthy. So I think that's something that we have to fix as a nation. And we, we, we had an environmental protection agency that was strong. Those maps you're talking about, unfortunately, a lot of them have been gutted or replaced um, or no longer exist. Um, they've been taken off the website. And, you know, we're, we're living in a really strange time in which the current administration um, has really put forth, unfortunately, but it's in the more like a polluters protection agency more than an environmental protective agency. And the solution really is that we have to change that. This is not a Republican or a Democrat issue. This is a human and American issue. And I believe that, and I still have hope, that all of us as Americans, as Republicans, Democrats, as whatever, I still have hope that we can have a common sense approach to our environment. And so I agree with you. I think the solution then really becomes in changing those policies. And really re, re, reinstating, unfortunately, those things that were there that were to protect our community. That's the first step. And the putting back on those maps and putting back uh, things about science that were stripped away from mm-hmm. the website. I think that's really the first case. We have to, to really go back and rebuild. And I think the next step is then to then continue to educate our communities that this is something that literally will benefit our country and make us stronger, not only for us, but for the next generation. I just, oh, I wish I could reach through the the Ethernet and give you a big <laughs> hug right now because that is so on point. You know, this summer I had some uh, interns. It was all over Zoom because we couldn't get together, but I had 10 high school students from Compton who are your fans now because we actually had one of our work days on Juneteenth and we celebrated it together and we explored topics that they'd never been exposed to before, even though they're living mm-hmm. in an environmental justice area, they'd never heard that term. Um, and so we started talking about it and I introduced them to the Hip Hop Caucus and they were oh, very yeah. excited about what they saw. And it would mean so much if you would just say a few words of encouragement to them because uh, they're not listening live. They're in class right now, but they're going to listen when this becomes a podcast. So if you could give them some words of encouragement, that would mean the world to them. Well, definitely. Well, thank you for for listening to our work over at Hip Hop Caucus. We, we take great pride um, in that. Uh, we believe that we have to use our cultural expression 
citizenship, our political experience, and so we, we try our best. So thank you for listening. And I just wanted to say for them um, in particular, and all young people really, that I understand that this is a tough, tough moment that we're in. Um, our parents fought for equality in the 20th century, and while we're definitely still fighting, unfortunately, for equality in the 21st century, you are not only fighting for equality, but you're fighting for existence. And so you have a tough hands. And so I just want to say that you were just made for this moment, that not, not to give up hope. I have many young people who I know. You, you are exceptional. This generation, your ability to use technology, your ability to connect and to really get beyond and support one another, to understand what it means to be different but still be be together, your ability to just just to realize what you're fighting for for the next generation, um, I believe you can do it. I believe you have all the tools, and so I definitely look forward to seeing you do it and find fashion so that the next generation coming behind you, who they will call you old people pretty soon, uh, <laughs> when that next generation comes around, they will, they, they will say thank you for all you've done to not only save them, but save this planet that we call home. Amen. And on that, we're going to take a quick, quick commercial break, but we have so much more with the Reverend Yearwood from the Hip Hop Caucus. I am so excited. Don't go away, folks. There's more Go Green Radio right after this. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. 
Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you could all join us. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Reverend Yearwood. He is the founder and president of the Hip Hop Caucus, uh, which he founded more than 15 years ago. It's been around for a while and they do amazing work. We're going to talk about some of the work that they do um, throughout the show. But I just want to say thank you, Reverend Yearwood, for joining us for this important conversation. Um, The time is now to make sure we understand the integration of environmental justice and climate justice. And, um, you know, I I just love your perspective on this. Just recently, I think it was last weekend, the Hip Hop Caucus commemorated the anniversary of Hurricane Katrina. You do it every year. Um, Talk to us about why you commemorate Hurricane Katrina and how you commemorate it. Yeah, no. Last week, we commemorated 15 years since Hurricane Katrina had initially hit the Gulf Coast on August 28th and 29th. It hit at around midnight. Um, And so we look back upon that moment and realize of the almost 1,900 um, beautiful souls who lost their lives um, because of Hurricane Katrina. And then since that, over the past 15 years, many of them have, you know, lost their lives either because they were moved, they lost because of heartbreak, they lost it for so many different kind of reasons. And so, you know, we wanted to gather um, to ensure that those who, who were there wouldn't forget, that they know that we wouldn't forget those who had lost their lives, but also just to remind the world of, the, of what the climate crisis looks like. And that we should have, should have done more back in 2005, and, you know, and mm-hmm. we still have so much more to do. And so I think that's really what that was. And I think that we, we gathered, um, obviously this is a time of COVID-19 and COVID-19 has also decimated the Gulf Coast and New Orleans area as well. So as we, we did it with social distancing and masks, but but best as we could. I mean, you know, it is with it. It is sure. as we say down south. But uh, but I but I I just know that the most important thing for us was that we really wanted to send the message out that climate justice is racial justice, mm-hmm. and racial justice is climate justice, and we need to work to fix that. Absolutely, and you know, you mentioned that you, you held this commemoration in the midst of COVID-19. Do you see a parallel between environmental injustice and the disproportionate high rate of COVID-19 among communities of color? Yeah, definitely. It's kind of what I said earlier. It's when you have systemic racism and you have communities who are put and they're made to be vulnerable communities or they're put into what we would call sacrifice zones, Mm-hmm. Um, over a period of time, and then you're in a situation where everything around that community begins to break down. And so anything, the, the straw that can break the camel's back, so to speak, can happen. And so we see that. We see that if you see from education, you see it from health care, you see it from, obviously, pollution and poverty. And in many cases, we see it in regards to criminal justice. When all of those things are breaking down, and then you then lay over that a pandemic, it just it literally just crushes that community. And so that system that they have um, literally can't bear the weight. And unless you have, a, a, hopefully at that time, a government or those officials in power can help to understand that, 
it can have it can have devastating effect. And so now that we've crossed the threshold of over 180,000 plus Americans who died, and a majority of those from mm-hmm. black and brown and red communities, it just shows mm-hmm. how racism or the disregard of these communities can have a tremendous impact on the livelihoods and just the the health of those communities. Absolutely. I mean, I remember when I was first starting to learn about some of the pre-existing conditions that can make people more vulnerable to the virus, you know, and I was hearing about things like respiratory issues, heart disease, Um, the diabetes, which often is seen in communities that are food deserts where they lack access to yeah. nutritional food. And I thought, oh, my goodness, that's going to hit the the communities that are already hardest hit by being awash in environmental pollution and degradation. So it's uh, there's no question that that, that creates a vulnerability. I want to go to the Hip Hop Caucus website because I love it. There's so much great content on it. You could spend hours <laughs> on you. it. <laughs> um, you guys have four issues that are listed as your main areas of focus. You have strengthening democracy, civil and human rights, mm-hmm climate change and environmental justice and economic empowerment. And I want to go through those different areas, but let's start by talking about how the hip hop caucus works to strengthen democracy. What are you doing during this extremely vital election cycle? Well, the one thing, the one thing we do is we definitely are trying to get out the vote Mm -hmm. and ensure that everyone's vote can be cast, but also importantly that their votes can be counted. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's important is that we have a campaign called Respect My Vote, and you can go there to that website, respectmyvote.com, and if you're not registered to vote, please register to vote. <laughs> um, and also, um, we, we try to make sure people are educated about the importance of democracy and the importance of why their vote matters at this time. And so, you know, I think that one of the things that we've seen um, – is that, that that's actually our longest running campaign. We've actually, that, that's an award-winning campaign we started. Literally now it's going on since 2004. It's going on 16 years. Wow. That's actually the background. And we've had such a great success. So we think that we've helped actually shift how people look at the election, uh, particularly from young people. Um, mm-hmm. Who back then, I guess, 16 years ago, were 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 in their, their 20s, and now they're in their mid 30s now. But we 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 hope that we've we've shifted that. But that's that is an important process for us, and we we we, we love that electoral um, work that we do. Well, and and how can people get involved? I mean, you have things going on all over the nation. Um, if people go out to respectmyvote.com, what are some of the different things that they could do to get involved in that? Now's the time when people are like, yeah, I want to do something. Yeah, no. Well, we would definitely, you can go to respectmyvote.com. The most important thing I mentioned before is to register to vote and then to then pass the word to tell others to vote to to this is unfortunately we're living in a as you as everybody understands and don't want to get have this country go in that direction where this goes into this you know this political abyss that we're kind of been dealing with but unfortunately we do have those who are doing everything they can to disenfranchise voters mm-hmm. around this country and it's mm-hmm. super sad i mean it's just so so sad that that's because we should be in democracy where listen if you win you win you lose you lose 
But the most important thing you should know is that democracy only works when we're all involved. It's the one thing that allows for those who are either rich or those who are very poor, those from the rural or the urban areas to all be on the same page. And so when we stop that because of your, you fear that person, that, that, that creates a dynamic that then undermines democracy and breaks it down. So first thing is you vote. Second thing is you tell others to be involved, not to become cynical and to give up. The next thing I think is there is that there's a lot of tools we have there that you can share. Obviously, we're at a time when we are in a pandemic. So depending on where you live, issues of, of mail-in ballots, issues of polling places, um, you just we, we have automation there that you can share. So if there are questions you have and you have some ideas, you can go there. Then one of the last things, being uh, um, a caucus, you know, we are, even though we're not, all people of color, we're pretty mixed, but we do have a large center of people of color who are part of it. And we do have folks who are returning citizens. What I mean that is that folks who were mm-hmm. the ex-felons or in jail or prison. And mm-hmm. so we've noticed that when they come back and they get involved with democracy, they, 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 they actually, when they're involved in their community, they, they, they don't return back to prison and jail. And so, you know, we, we see that. The thing where sometimes when they get involved with either their church or they get involved with their mosque, or how, they get involved with something that anchors them. Democracy can be an anchor. And so we've been doing many things to hopefully get folks who are returning citizens who are coming home from those environments also be able to vote and make it easy for them to vote as well so that they, they're not put in situations where they're giving up and say, ah, oh, this is not for me. I'm um, just a felon but their voice can be heard in the process as well. You know, and coming from a former, you know, officer in the Air Force like yourself, it's so powerful. I remember, you know, I was a naval officer and I remember I was a little lippy when I was first, you know, <laughs> first commissioned. And I remember my commanding officer saying to me, Ensign Buck, we defend democracy. We do not practice it. Carry out your orders. Mm. <laughs> you put me in my place. And, and, you know, it's so true. I mean, so many of us who are veterans, we treasure this democracy and we want absolute participation and, and we want to make sure that everybody gets a chance to do that. And so I love the work that you're doing there. We're going to talk thank a lot you. about, yeah, I, I, I thank you. Thank you, Reverend Yearwood. Um, <laughs> you know, you have this whole campaign around think 100%. And we're going to talk about some of the ingredients of that campaign. But um, before we go to a commercial break, I'd love for you to just give us kind of an overview of what Think 100% is all about and some of the celebrities who have joined in. Yeah, well, in hip hop, we like to do a little bit of poetry. We love to play on words. And so Think 100% is kind of a play where you're in certain communities, you think 100% means you're thinking positive. One to 100% is your goal, like mm-hmm. a but also, it's also something that is being used from a scientific standpoint that we need to transition from clean energy, from fossil fuels to clean energy by 100% to be successful. So I think that one of the things there is that we have been looking at ways to uh, use that platform called Think 100% and hence to play on the, the term from fossil fuels to clean energy 100% or, and also just the kind of the vernacular of just having fun and being 100% involved. But mm-hmm. I think we, we've created a campaign that's used to broaden the movement and work on issues from podcasts to music to films and to activism. So it's a very powerful program. I, I love actually Think 1% and would encourage everybody to go there uh, to think100climate.com to get involved. 
Well, and we're going to talk a lot, lot more about all the various components of Think 100% because it's really, it's so upbeat, it's so positive about one of the most vital issues of the day. So don't go away, folks. We've got much more with Reverend Yearwood on Go Green Radio right after this. News. Your voice counts. Call toll-free 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. VoiceAmerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%? 43%? Or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Live Fridays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio, everybody. So glad that you could join us. And if you're just tuning in, let me catch you up. Our guest today is Reverend Yearwood. He is the founder and president of the Hip Hop Caucus. And you can go to their website very easily. It's hiphopcaucus.org. They've got this great program called Think 100%. And we were just talking about it before we went to break. But now I want to go into the various components of this awesome program. So, Reverend Yearwood, I'd love for you you to talk about the podcast portion of Think 100%. Tell our listeners what they can expect if they check out The Coolest Show on Climate Change and Hashtag Climate <laughs> Friday. Most definitely. Well, it is. The, well, we feel it's the coolest show. <laughs> and it's <laughs> a lot of fun. It was designed to work and showcase um, different kinds of work in the climate movement and also Gen Z. So you'll get a different flavor if you're looking for that kind of kind of introduction of new voices and new people. You can definitely find it all there. But I definitely think the reason why there was why the, the Think One Percent platform was created and it's now become like a media platform. Um, if you if you ever know if you remember if people know your listeners know Griff, it's kind of like a grift, but more yeah. of a hip hop flavor. 
um, to it now. And was created in mind to really, we, we were going out over the many years and fighting on the issue of climate change and the climate crisis. And we, were, we, see, we saw that unfortunately there weren't many people of color who were, mm-hmm. who were there and the bulk of the marches. Maybe a few who were organized, maybe a few who were in some, you know, some aspects, but not there. And we said we need to really reach out to them. And so Think 100% was created to reach out to really broaden the climate movement. So the podcast is definitely used to create an environment where it can um, introduce people to the climate crisis, the climate justice movement, but also just the movement in general. Mm-hmm. I think then we have four other areas, three other areas. One is the, the issue of uh, uh, activism. And the other issue, yeah, no, they did. The race slaves live there. That they, no they, worries. I, I, I know. I have a. I'm, I was in my gazebo, and I guess uh, they started painting something next door. <laughs> and was, there you go. Talking <laughs> about, about chemicals, and I was like, "Hey, I can't, I can't breathe. This is this is this is real life here. This is you're showing the people what it's like." <laughs> um, <laughs> no worries. No worries. Um, oh man. I was, I'm going to cancel out here in the Go Green uh, radio show. That's there, that, no. a good moment to show. I, I'm, I'm really proving how important it is to transition from, from clean air uh, in that aspect. But That is so true. Um, that is so, so true. You got some chemicals right in the middle of the show. So we just had a real-life episode there. right in the middle of the show. <laughs> I was sitting here, couldn't breathe. I started sweating. I said, my goodness, this, this is literally... Uh, sight on sound here. This is, this is it. <laughs> but, but for all listeners, I'm okay. I got, I got a cup of water here, so I'm, I'm good to go. <laughs> and and, no, and no I moved words. to an area not, not in the way of the fumes, but, uh, but uh, which, is, which is a metaphor for what we want. We want our community to not be in harm's way and to be able to move, and a lot of communities cannot move. That's so true. That actually is actually it. They are actually choking when they say that we can't breathe. It literally is not because they, 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 they just want to stay there, but it's because they are forced to be in a position where they have to move. And one of the things we saw for like, this is a side story, Eric Garner, who was killed in New York six years before George Floyd, and he had mentioned the words, I can't breathe. But one of the things about that is that I have come to know the Garner family and in knowing them, um, they live in, a, in an area in New York that has the most trees, but also has a lot of coal-fired p- power plants and received an F for air quality. So not only did, did, did Eric Garner die because obviously from an illegal chokehold, but he also mm-hmm. had asthma. But almost every person in his family had asthma. And then his daughter, Erica Garner, who's in her 20s, when she started, when she started advocating for her father, she died of an asthma and induced heart attack. And so it just goes to show you that when you have 68% of people of color living within 30 miles of a coal-fired power plant, and listen like I was when they're less yep. in, in, in the harm's way because yep. of fumes and they can't get out of the way, it can hurt them not only from the issue of criminal justice, but also the issue of pollution as well. So that's just, that, that was just uh, to show you just how real this is when you can't get out of the way. Of the, I, was, I, I could just walk out of you know, walk out of the little gazebo I was in and then and get to the clean air and get get away. But communities can't do that. And that's why no, this fight can't. is so important. That's why I think like yeah. Yeah, yeah I think, like, you know, and that, is so important. Well and I hear people who are 
exceptionally callous say, well, if people know that they're living in an area that's highly polluted, why don't they just move? Well, that, yeah. <laughs> that, that's so callous because it takes money and resources and support structures mm-hmm. to do that um, and, and jobs and things like that, you know, in, in other exactly. areas. That is not the answer to have everybody well, just up and move, up and move away from the pollution. No, that's not what we're doing. Those are people's homes. That's people's heritage. Yep. It's people's, you know, lineage for many generations. We clean it up. That's what we need to be doing. You know, I I, I love the, the trailer that I saw for the Think 100% film production. And, and I want you to tell yeah. us more about this. It's called... Ain't your mama's heat wave, <laughs> and I want to hear more That's about right. that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I encourage you to go to this website. Actually, we have two documentaries that we're working on. Okay. One is Ain't Your Mama's Heat Wave, and that's actually we're trying to use comedy as a way of telling the climate crisis story. And we actually trying to figure out where else could we go that was similar to New Orleans, since we mm-hmm. since we really couldn't go to New Orleans to warn them, kind of. After the fact, where can we go kind of to be more solutionary and go mm-hmm. before the storm had hit? And so we noticed that Norfolk, which has um, the largest Navy base that has yeah. a, the community that are very similar to New Orleans, and it's also, it's sinking, and, and it's below sea level. So if they would be hit by a Category 1 or 2 storm, it could have the same situation that they had in New Orleans with Katrina. So we wanted mm-hmm. to go there, but we, we, we also know if you tell that story, the way we, I just said it, it may be a little bit downer. So we say, well, how yeah. can we tell that story to add comedy to tell the story in a way in which uh, they can, it can be very serious, but at the same time, they can also maybe, maybe a bit, little bit more lighthearted to take it on in. And so we created uh, a documentary that's coming out this year called Ancient Mama's Heat Wave. It's going to be mm-hmm. fantastic. And we have another documentary that's probably much more on the serious side called Underwater Projects which was about how climate change is affecting those and housing projects and how, again, which, which, you, which you just said, how they can't move so easily um, from these communities, uh, even if they wanted to. So those are two films that we have coming out, and we're super excited about that. We'd love for people to kind of look at the trailer and get a little bit of a laugh now uh, there, uh, but I'm excited for one of those coming out this year, Infamous Heat Wave, and then next year uh, coming out for Underwater Projects. I'm so excited about that. When I saw the trailer for Ain't Your Mama's Heat Wave, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait. I mean, it, it's kind of one of those spoonful of sugar kind of things. It makes the medicine go down. And I, I really think it's so creative. It's really creative. Now, talk to us about Think that, that 100. That was the intention. That was the well, intention, what you just said there. Well, you nailed it, and I can't wait for the full film because the trailer is a blast. Talk to us about oh, um, Think 100% music. You've got music out there, um, and it's amazing. Tell us more about that. Yeah, no. So we did a climate album. Uh, it's supposed to be this is maybe the first, our first album we did was about six years ago. We had some amazing artists, artists like Common and Crystal Waters and Anthony Smith. And so many other artists who were who joined on to do this climate. We were kind of doing something where we were taking some of the more traditional um, uh, climate or kind of movement song, "Which Side Are You On?" those kind of songs, and then mm-hmm. having a new generation sing those songs and produce those. So it was great. It was also a kind of a learning moment, to be honest. I think it was something there in which we did this this climate album, and it was predominantly most of people who were either indigenous or they were black or people mm-hmm. of color 
and we put it out there for everybody, and we noticed that parts of the climate movement didn't take it in. And at that time, maybe we felt that, okay, well, maybe they're not taking it because maybe they think it's not for them. And that's kind of what kind of spurred upon H1's heat wave and other projects because we wanted to make sure that the larger climate movement, for a reason, and we weren't trying to get into all into the reasons, but we just wanted everybody to know that this is for you. It may, mm-hmm. it, it may be different than you're used to and how you're seeing your environmentalism, but this is for you. And I think if you can see this side, it may also help your work as well. And so that we, we, we began to keep creating music through um, uh, people coming music and through Thick 100%. And that's what's amazing. We have artists who are creating so much good music that are being used um, to just show and talk about the climate movement. It's just amazing. And poetry. We have a lot of poets, too. Like, I love it. Now that is, that, that's like teenagers who are creating, you know, their visual presentation of poetry about the climate crisis. That's beautiful. I mean, and that's, I think, I think that's the way forward is speaking to people, you know, from a heart, mind, body, soul. I mean, we're getting everything involved. And I think you're really on to um, some, some great mechanisms that are going to help people become active and do, do these things. To, and and let's hope. talk about the activism. Yeah. Let's talk about Think 100%'s activism component. Talk to us about how we can get involved. Yeah, well, there's a lot of ways to do that. Well, one way is that we have a lot of, unfortunately, a lot of fights that are happening. Um, one of our, our big fights for us is around the Arctic and the stop the drilling in the Arctic. And we yeah. kind of work with the Gwich'in tribe there and community to support them in that, who they're based upon the caribou deer and, and their community. So we would love folks who are interested in that to obviously go to Thick 100 and sign up and be a part of that fight. Obviously, we've been connecting the dots between racial justice and climate justice. And so, I mentioned earlier with Eric Garner and Erica Garner, but also just in general, we see that happening all over this country again. And so, we, we are looking at trying to make sure that as we are discussing our environmentalism, our, our conservation movements are connecting the dots with racial justice. And so, our activism is linking those two things together. So, even when we're calling on, for instance, um, the divestment, of uh, uh, stop the money pipeline to stop people, stop these uh, financial advisors, these banks, uh, mm-hmm. these insurance companies from funding the fossil fuel industry. We're also asking them to stop funding, you know, private prisons and other things. And just to connect right. the dots and so people can see that it's that bad thing shouldn't be funded. I think then last but not least, I think that the issue of environmental justice from Flint, um, to ignore to clean clean air and clean water. We've just, we've just been pushing that climate change is a civil rights issue, and everybody has a right to clean air and clean water. And so part of Big One at Percent Climate Activism has been really pushing again to make sure that we have a strong EPA, pushing again people are knowledgeable of the things that are being rolled back, and pushing with legislation that people have been talking about on, on the Hill um, and those kind of things on, on the state level to ensure that they have clean air and clean water in their communities. Absolutely. But it's been amazing. And then this new generation that's been, this, that's been coming up from like the Sunrise Movement to Zero Hour to um, the NOCP to Hip Hop Caucus. That's mm-hmm. just been a new generation of this young activists who are emerging um, and fighting for their future. I love it. And, and you are engaging all 
aspects of that generation and even ours, the, the, the ones kind of right ahead of them, <laughs> is so much. We're going to take a quick commercial break, but when we come back, we have much more with Reverend Yearwood of the Hip Hop Caucus, so don't go away. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Take a wild guess. How much garbage generated in the United States today is converted into energy? Is it 26%, 43%, or 14%? Working here and around the world to produce a reliable supply of clean, green energy, Covanta Energy works with communities to turn household trash into energy. Oh yeah, that question I asked earlier? Today, only 14% of U.S. garbage is converted to energy. Just 14%. Covanta alone processes half of that municipal solid waste into renewable energy for a cleaner world. For more information about Covanta Energy, visit us today at www.covantaenergy.com. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. listening to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Jill would love to hear your comments or questions on today's show, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Write to us, too. Save some trees and send us an email to gogreenradio at gmail.com. That's gogreenradio at gmail.com. Now back to Go Green Radio with your host, Jill Buck. Welcome back to Go Green Radio. So glad that you're all with us. We're having a very important conversation today with Reverend Yearwood. He is the president and founder of the Hip Hop Caucus. You can find them at hiphopcaucus.org. And we're talking about, you know, this intersection of environmental racism and, you know, some of the current events that we're seeing today, how um, environmental injustices can lead to Uh, greater impacts when it comes to climate change. Things that come with climate change are exacerbated um, in communities that are already awash in industrial effluent. Um, You know, we also see that things like the pandemic that we're living through are only made much, much worse in communities that are already suffering from environmental degradation. And they are overwhelmingly, uh, the majority of these areas are communities of color. And so we've been talking about how the hip hop caucus is addressing all of these important issues, but in a way that brings everybody together uh, around, you know, think 100% and all the the amazing activism and programs that the Hip Hop Caucus has. You know, your website, Reverend Yearwood, has a fantastic impact report. The one that's up right now is for 2018 and 19. Um, You also have a Vision 2020 up on your website. Talk to us a little bit about some of the accomplishments of which you're most proud and the the vision and projects of the future that you're most excited about. Yeah, I'm I'm probably most proud of the accomplishments that people probably don't see recorded. I I see them recorded in people's lives. Mm-hmm. It's when I see people who I know come from the hood. I know they come from tough communities. And I hear them as they get more engaged and more aware of things like the environment or democracy. And they sound like experts. And I remember them talking and they sound like they were just from the hood. And their, 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 their idea of 
just their vision of what they could see was very limited. But as time is just being involved with the caucus, I could see them being more engaged and talking about things like how much carbon is in the atmosphere or what's the political pressure that's being applied on the state or federal level. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing to hear and see this. And that to me is what really matters. That and as well as when people's lives are changed and they don't even know that we had any impact. I think that for me sometimes when we have fought for um, a pipeline or a coal-fired power plant or whatever to be removed, and then I, I go back to that community and that community doesn't know me from a can of paint and shouldn't or doesn't know <laughs> about caucus, but their lives, are, their lives are better. Those, to me, are the best awards is when we can help our brothers and sisters just in, who, who, who won't even know you to have a better life than when, when, than when you even came in contact or with, with them at some point in time. I think that obviously our work we've done as an organization, we're very proud of our work around democracy and our work around climate. We're very proud that we were able to keep our name Hip Hop Caucus because I think that that allowed us to be, to be taken, be much more comfortable in those urban and hood communities and, and, but allow for them to feel that they had a pathway into this conversation. And then we appreciate our brothers and sisters who were either progressive or were in different movements who then mm-hmm. appreciate Hip Hop Caucus and, you know, allow for us to just be who we were. So I'm just excited about just how far we've come and, you know, clearly excited about the fact that I love, like I said before, I love this country. I love where we've come. I think, you know, we've come a long way. You know, it's tough that, you know, what people are seeing now, but it's something that was always there. That's the thing, that the, what we're seeing now with police uh, brutality and other situations going on and poverty, that was always there. It is now we have more technology, more cameras, um, mm-hmm. and we can see those things. I'd like to say sometimes the revolution may not be televised, but it will be uploaded. And so we're seeing people <laughs> upload, um, upload videos and all kinds of things. So we can see it now. And it's hurtful when you see something that you didn't know exists. It's hurtful. But I believe that sometimes it's those things. And when you can see it, then you know how to deal with it. So I'm excited about our future. I'm excited about, I see about young people and how much they want to, how much they want this country to be better. I'm excited about people who really love this country. And so I think that we're, we're, we're in a tough spot right now, but I think in 5, 10, 15 years, um, we can be better. I agree with you. And, and it's great to hear that, that level of hope. And, and I have to ask because, you know, there are a lot of people who are feeling a lot of angst. They're feeling disheartened. Mm-hmm. There's just been so many things that have collided this year um, to, to really upset people. And on a personal note, help us understand what keeps you moving forward each day. Help us gain some inspiration um, by talking to us about your vision of the future that keeps your spirits lifted even when times are hard. Yeah, I mean, and I think we both share this. We both were in the military, so mm-hmm. I think we both understand that we just believe that when people, uh, no matter where they come from, have a respect for the office and the position, that they'll do right. And I think that we're hopefully hoping that people will get in those positions again mm-hmm. to just honor, honor that, you know, oath and honor that position. That gives me hopeful one that people will just respect the position and the oath they take. Mm-hmm. Second, I think that for me as a person of faith, I just believe that, you know, that we're, 
I just believe. I believe that, you know, for me, simply put, is that, you know, I don't believe that God brought us this far to leave us in that country that has been really tough, that all of a sudden now is just going to end. I don't, I just don't believe that we've just come this far to stop. So I just believe that with faith and with perseverance and with love, and I think that if we can begin to get back to that, where we can just, again, see each other and be our brothers and sisters keeper, that we can be in a much better position. And I think that, you know, we've seen that. I've seen, you know, listen, we've seen people who gave their lives in this in this pandemic. We were frontline warriors from doctors and storekeepers and the d- d- delivery truck drivers who literally gave their lives. They literally, they, they, they died this year so that we can keep pushing on. And if we can't honor that, and if we can't just have that to be just like a, a guiding light to see that people still are sacrificing everything for others, then I think that we can't get it. But I believe we can get it if we just kind of follow that principle of that. Let's get back to loving our brother and sister and get back to sacrificing all for one another. No matter where you are, where you come from, what your accent may be, what Absolutely. color you're we're human once again. I love that. I love that. And I think that a lot of people, you know, not just millennials, not just Gen Z, but a lot of people in all uh, demographics you know, are, are hungry for that. They're hungry for humanity to return um, and and to feel like a brotherhood and sisterhood again. In the final moments that we have left, Reverend Yearwood, just a, a minute or so left in the show, what parting thoughts would you like to leave with our listeners? Yeah, I just would tell them that there's, in the words that's been said before, to keep hope alive and that to maintain that this too shall pass. I, I just believe that that this too shall pass and to take care of themselves. Um, this, this, this mentality of this being selfish and self-centered, um, people not even want to wear a mask or people don't care about what's going around them. We have to just get away from that. Let's get back to a place where we can, you know, be concerned. And if we do that, um, we'll be okay. And more, more importantly, our children who are watching and they are watching, they will create a world that's better for them in the long run. Well said. Amen, Reverend Yearwood. Thank you so much for joining us. Everybody check out hiphopcaucus.org. Get involved. I want to thank you for joining us. To all of our listeners, we're going to be here same time, same place next week with more Go Green Radio. Until then, have a wonderful week and do something in your life to go green. Did you get some terrific ideas from today's show? Please join us for more next Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. It's Go Green Radio with Jill Buck here on Voice America. Go Green Radio is proudly sponsored by Covanta Energy, a leader in providing renewable energy solutions for a cleaner world. Visit www.covantaenergy.com for more information. We'll see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program.